can you access the Akashic of another planet? Oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fascinating. I think that I'm gonna go and try that. <laughs> I think that it's yeah, you. Let me know. Welcome to another episode of Awaken Now What. I'm your host, JR. And I'm your host, Helen. Awaken Now What is a podcast that illuminates your spiritual awakening and ascension. Today we have Dr. Josephine Hardman. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Josephine is an intuitive healer and Akashic Records reader. So today we're going to dive in and learn about the Akashic Records. Um, Josephine, you are the host of Inner Work, a spiritual growth podcast. Yep. A very, very popular podcast amongst the spiritual community. Um, can you tell the list, our listeners who aren't familiar with you a little bit about yourself and how you started to access the Akashic Records? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, I actually have a background that is, I consider it fairly unusual in the sense that I grew up in a home with parents that always um, encouraged spiritual exploration and spiritual pursuits. Um, my mom at the time was a psychotherapist. She's always been a healer and extremely intuitive. Um, and my dad had done transcendental meditation and yoga and all of these things, even as a young adult um, and then all throughout his life. So it was this environment where all of these things were encouraged um, and I had access to a lot of resources and tools. Um, and it was around when I was 17 that my mom started to learn about the Akashic Records um, for herself and she got trained first um, and read all of the books. And then she said, oh, I think this might be interesting. What do you think learning about this? Um, so I did just kind of for personal interest and development and to see, you know, what could come out of it. And then eventually, well, the story's really long, but um, I shut all of that down and retreated up into my head, went to school, went to grad school, got my PhD, um, just because I'm also highly sensitive. So I shut down a lot of my gifts and sensitivity as a young adult, uh, because it just became overwhelming to be in the world with all of those open channels and just absorbing everything and taking everything in. Um, so my coping mechanism was to go into academia and the academic world and just retreat up into the head was how I coped with that. Um, but then I started to feel as the years progressed and I was in grad school and just working towards, okay, I'm going to be a tenured professor. I'm going to be in this academic world for the rest of my life. Um, and that was the plan for a long time. But there was just something in my heart that started to 
almost like whisper to me, you know, it starts as a whisper and then it gets louder, but um, something in my heart started to say, maybe you're not really in the place where you're supposed to be, or there's elsewhere that you need to be right now. Um, are you really contributing and serving the world to the highest possible level that you are supposed to do? So like, is this really your purpose? Um, so all this questioning started coming up and I just had to follow that. Um, so at that point, I started getting trained in spiritual uh, techniques and healing modalities. And that's when I said, oh, I have to get serious about the records. So that's where I w got my own teachers and did my certification to get certified um, and in other healing modalities. And then I said, okay, I'm actually going to leave the academic world. This is the spiritual world is where I need to be full time doing this as full time work. Um, so I left and that's when I started my business. And here I am, I don't know, eight years later. Um, so yeah, that's the long story. <laughs> Does that, that make is, sense? Yeah, that's amazing. So you spent 10 years in academia. Yes. Yeah. And that includes, years. you know, because I got a master's and I got a PhD and the whole time right. I was teaching. Um, mm. So yeah, it was a long time. Yeah. How does some of that training and studying and research translate to what you do now? Yeah, that's such a great question. And it really, it is compatible in a lot of ways, actually. So, and I would say the first most obvious way for me is just because I learned a lot. I was trained in pedagogy and curriculum design and these kinds of things while mm -hmm. I was teaching. Um, and I had to create my own courses. Um, and I taught Shakespeare and um, literature because my PhD is in English literature. And I taught college writing, these kinds of things. Um, so now I use all of that training in curriculum design when I create my courses, uh, which comes in really handy because um, I always have a clear structure and framework of how to do that and how to help students um, move through courses and stay engaged and kind of get the best outcomes that they can possibly get, uh, which is great. Uh, but also just from the side of like being in a sense, like being a critic or, you know, a literary critic and then um, doing my own writing and interpretation of metaphors and symbols and imagery in literature, that really translates well into reading the records, actually, mm. the Akashic records, because the records communicate a lot through a language of metaphor and symbols and images, um, these kinds of things. So it really helps to be able to translate when those images and messages are coming through in that way um, for clients uh, and to really understand kind of that language of the records because, you know, it's really abstract sometimes and it's not um, straightforward. So we have to be able to interpret that. Yeah. So that comes in handy too. That is a great like synthesis of... I think like we all have our experiences for a reason, right? And so like even even within me and JR's history, like it's so interesting that he's a video editor and so he can do that for our podcast or yes. like little things like that. Oh, I don't think anything that we do is ever wasted. You know, sometimes people have this idea of like, why, why, why did I spend 10 years in that career? And that was not really my purpose, but I think there's always something we've gained or something we're taking with us that maybe if we just rework it in some way, it can still be applied. So 
I don't think we've ever wasted that time. That message is for Cherish. JR, make sure ah. she hears that. <laughs> I know. Okay. Yeah. So my girlfriend is currently, oh man, I always forget the name to her, to her job. Um, it's very long. <laughs> it's clean energy and transportation consultation, consult, consultant services. I think, yeah. I think that's okay. right. Yeah. But she's currently, I mean, she's, uh, she awakened this past year. And she's uh, she wants to become a breathwork practitioner, so she there's a struggle right now between her real career and what she eventually wants to do. So I'll relay this uh, information to her. Yes, and also that <laughs> you don't have to do it all like overnight, you know, like right. transitioning. Because for me, it was still. I mean, I started building my website because I knew oh, I'm going to have a business, so I started doing that like a year before I even left. Wow. Well, and I'm wow. a risk averse person, so I like to take things one step at a time and make sure <laughs> this is really going to be a viable like way to support myself. Um, right. Which, luckily, it has been. Knock on wood. Yeah. So yeah, you yeah. can do it, you know, one step at a time. I think. Yeah, I mean, kudos to you. Your podcast, yes, oh, is amazing. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Your yeah, your fan base, whatever you want to call it, your clients. I think. I'm uh, just researching your, your Instagram profile. Like you're doing an amazing, amazing job. So yeah, thank you. Thanks. I appreciate yeah. that. And that also took time to build and I yeah. did a lot of things that didn't get any traction. <laughs> and then right. it was like, Oh wait, how do I revise that so that it actually works? So right. yeah, it's been a lot of like making mistakes and then, you know, course correcting along the way. <laughs> All right, let's get into the nitty gritty. Uh, the Akashic Records. Yeah. It's my understanding that the Akashic Records are the canvas of existence that records everything. Can yeah. you expand on this a little bit further? Yeah, that's a great way of putting it, though. Um, so the way I think of them and define them is the records are this vast archive of information mm -hmm. Some people now, you know, with because um, we're in this modern era of technology, so they like to call it the cloud um, in a <laughs> sense, because it's, you know, things are always like updating and changing inside right. of the records. It's not. So it's this vast storehouse of information that is continually logging. So every action that has ever been taken and will ever be that people will ever take every word that has ever been spoken, like every choice that has ever been made, all of that is recorded in the records, which is why we call them that. Um, so nothing there is set in stone. They're not static. I think of them as a breathing living entity because in a sense, really the records are made up of light energy mm -hmm. and they are encoded in the universal energy field that's all around us and even through us. So in a way, it's like, we are the records too. The records are us. It's difficult to describe because it's so like mind boggling, mm -hmm. but they exist all around us at all times. It's just that we can't see them with our human eyes or perceive them with human senses really. Cause it requires us to kind of see with a spiritual sight if that makes sense to be able to understand, Oh, that, okay. Yeah. Now I'm tapping into the records. Um, so yeah, it's just a different perspective, perspective shift or a different way of looking at things to be able to perceive the records. If that makes sense. That is such a 
beautiful answer in the sense of like, it doesn't sound at all like, oh, there are only a few people who can read this. You know, it's like we're light beings. If we're activated enough, we have the access. Yeah. It's really um, everyone's like divine birthright. Right. To be able to access the records. Mm. And I, the way I think of it is ideally just our natural condition is to be connected to what we call the records 24-7 um, so that we are receiving the best guidance and intuition for ourselves just as we're moving through daily life um, or are faced with choices that we need to make every day. Um, so it's really an unnatural condition when we are disconnected from the records um, and really all that it takes, which is not always easy, but um, we just need to clear out all of the layers of stuff that is not really ours. So the conditioning, the programming, the ego self, uh, mental chatter, all of these things that can get in the way of perceiving the presence um, of the records and being in that energy field. Yeah. The Akashic records are non-localized and they are stored as what you described as extra somatically, meaning outside of the body, correct? Yes. Yeah, that is true. Although, I mean, we can have, we can perceive them, you know, through the body too, um, but they, they are encoded in this universal energy field. And then we each have personal energy fields, right? That can almost like interface with right. the field of the records. Right. Yeah. Our friend Ishmael Perez uh, he stated that the Akashic records are also an etheric energetic template that can be found under the great Sphinx known as the halls of records mm -hmm. um, and can be accessed if you match its vibration. Have you ever heard of that? And what are your thoughts? Yeah, not in those words specifically, but that makes a lot of sense, uh -huh. um, especially this idea that the records well, as an energy field, they do exist in this higher plane of consciousness. Right. right. Um, so I like these words about we have to match the vibration mm -hmm. of that field in order to be able to access it, which is, for example, why I often say to my Akashic Records students, you do not want to try to access the records in an emotionally heightened, like desperate, um, chaotic state, which sometimes students try to do like if they're having a big problem and they're in the midst of a crisis and then they say oh this is the best time to access the records which it would seem like it would be but it's actually not <laughs> because that energy would not match right that higher consciousness um and feel an energy field of the records so we actually need to be we need to get out of the crisis mode first and then be in an emotionally stable centered place where as i said our personal energy field is going to be able to interplay or interface with the field of the records um, otherwise if the ego is getting in the way or if we're having a lot of expectations about what the experience should be of connecting to the records so if there are a lot of shoulds or shouldn'ts um then that can be interference that gets in the way and then we're not really accessing the records you talked about Irvin laszlo's three immutable immutable laws regarding the akashic field can you briefly go over those three laws and how did he actually come to this conclusion 
Yeah, that's a great question. So I don't remember the laws like by heart right now. Um, for that, I would, re well, he's been doing research on the records for decades and right. actually refers to the records as the A field um, or the Akashic field right. um, and talks about, well, I mean, really the gist of the laws is that the records are always available which is, you know, part of what we've already been talking about. So they're not this exclusive realm that only certain people with certain talents can access. So they're always available, which means that really what we need to do is learn how to shift that focus and that perspective to be able to open that spiritual site or that second site and then to take in the records because they're already here. Right. Um, and that we do need to do that almost like, inner cleansing work of removing any of the impediments or obstacles that get in the way of perceiving and feeling the energy mm -hmm. field of the records. Um, and then another law, if I remember correctly, um, has to do with kind of the healing power of this field and that anything really is possible there because it's, and some people refer to this more as like the quantum field or the zero point field of infinite possibilities um, where healing and transformation can happen in an instant. Right. So the records are not, um, what's the word I want to use? They don't obey the laws of linear time or human time and space. So when mm -hmm. we are truly connected with the records, um, healing and transformation can happen almost, we could say miraculously, although really that's just the natural state and condition mm -hmm. of, you know, we need the healing and therefore it just happens in an instant. Right. Um, and that so things can shift at quantum speed inside of the records. Um, and for that though, for people interested, I do recommend reading Laszlo's books because um, th there's going to be a lot more details in there about, the law specifically and then how he came to these conclusions um through his almost like scientific research right um, it, it's it's quantum research right quantum physics research exactly. that he did to confirm yes. the three laws which is amazing it's amazing yeah it, i know it is amazing yeah and he's also a philosopher so there's a lot of different angles to this right. um but yeah his books are i would say probably the best resource for really understanding what the records are and what they can do yeah feels really like I don't know intriguing fascinating um what in your own words would you say the records could do if you had to name like three things oh wow yeah that's okay three <laughs> things how can I narrow it down because there's so much um yeah okay I think probably the most important thing is that the records, and this is something I see with clients, you know, every week, um, that the records really are this, they provide this environment and the space where we can truly commune and engage with our higher self. Mm. Um, because so often it happens in sessions and readings with clients where the first thing the first image that appears is just that we, their higher self is coming in um, almost as this beam of light, if you will, um, because the records do help us to remove all of that accumulated stuff 
that we've picked up through upbringing, past trauma, relational trauma, cultural conditioning, you know, what the media tells us, um, conditioned beliefs that we've picked up about ourselves, what's possible, what's not possible for us. So all of those like human limitations that get accumulated over time, um, we can shed so much of that and kind of shed that human density I call it when we go into the records and then really connect with that higher self, which is who we are at a true core deep level without all of that stuff covering it up. Um, and when that happens, I mean, anything is possible because then people become aware of, oh, what is my actual purpose? Um, because when we speak the portal prayer, at least the prayer that I use, um, part of the prayer is, you know, okay, records help me understand who I am and why I am here. And that's really the essence uh, of what the work is when we work with clients, um, is to help them figure out why are you here in this lifetime? What is your purpose? What is your spiritual mission as you're here? And how can we help you not be distracted by all the stuff that is in the modern world so distracting or ego temptations to kind of veer off the path of purpose. Um, so the records are really an ideal modality and tool for that. And maybe the second thing I would say, cause I don't want to leave this out is um, they can also facilitate, well, obviously past life healing. Mm -hmm. So we can go into past lives and heal unresolved trauma or unfinished business from previous lifetimes, because um, again, time is not linear inside of the records. And that uh, similar to that, we can also do ancestral healing, family lineage healing and clearing. So if there's ancestral trauma or ancestral patterns that we've been carrying that are not serving us or that are constricting us, um, we can go in and do some repair work around that, which not only helps the client in the present moment move forward, but it also helps to clear that entire family line and even future generations, because now they won't have to carry that same old pattern anymore. Um, so that's really potent too. So you're clearing contracts across yeah. lineages yes. and lifetimes, correct? Yes, that's true. Yes, we can clear past life contracts and vows. Um, and we can clear ancestral contracts. Um, in fact, if I can share just from my own life this past month, um, I have been doing a lot of work around clearing patterns of scarcity in my ancestral line, um, particularly because my maternal grandfather, uh, he was an accountant and he was always like turning numbers over in his head and was extremely frugal and had a pattern of you always have to save for some rainy day or some emergency that's coming. We don't know what that is, but like there's something bad coming. So you have to save and not spend one cent that you earn. And, you know, till the very last day that till he died, he lived huh. that way, um, which was very limiting. Um, and I have care and it, it's kind of interesting because it skipped generations. My mom rebelled against that. Um, and my mom has always been really connected to her abundance, but I started to live out my grandfather's 
pattern um, and have had fear around money or abundance or feelings of unworthiness around that. So the scarcity patterns were kind of popping up again. Um, so when something like that happens, we can identify, oh, there's probably some unconscious ancestral contract that was made at some point around money and abundance of, you know, for example, uh, one term of the contract could be, oh, I have to save every last penny in order to stay safe in the world. Mm -hmm. And then we just keep replicating that pattern and perpetuating right. it until we become conscious of it. And we say, I don't want to live that anymore. Um, so yeah, that's just one example of the infinite ancestral contracts or past life contracts that we can revoke inside of the records. Such a helpful share because I know that there's so much scarcity in so many people's worlds. Oh, yes. And sometimes it's not ours, you know, right. and it's really coming from somewhere else. Um, and we have those issues around like earning money or feeling like we're good enough to earn or to save it or to hold it. And it's like we don't have the energetic space for it. Mm -hmm. But really, it's just because there's, there's this pattern coming from some and I don't even think it comes originally from my grandfather it's probably from well before his time but it has just been replicated through the generations um upon discovery of say a, a negative contract a vow that you want to mm -hmm. clear what is that process of clearing do you when you identify it are there words that you say is is forgiveness involved? Um, I mean, the great Andrew Bartz says that trauma is undigested consciousness, which resonated so so deeply. Yeah. So, what what is um, the resolution for all this undigested consciousness? Yeah, that's so great. That I love that language too. Um, and it is true. Often with clients, you can sense because um, contracts are also held somewhere in the body or the energy field. Mm. Um, so for example, a con and it doesn't always have to align perfectly, but let's say a vow of silence from a past life might show up as throat issues or thyroid issues in the present lifetime, um, or like people that have, um, like chronic throat infections or laryngitis or something like that. Um, so they do get um, embedded in the body or the energy field, sometimes in a, sp in a particular chakra. So we can do work at that level. Um, but I also myself have developed a protocol for revoking contracts. So that um, involves and in working with clients one-on-one -on -one, is that we sit down and while we are inside of the records together, we identify what are the terms of that contract like specifically because we have to narrow those down and nail those down and then together we write out the terms of the old contract so as i was describing with my own just now for example one of the terms could be oh i have to save all of my money and never spend any to stay safe um or another contract that comes up a lot um, with people is, oh, I have to shut down my intuitive gifts mm. in order to stay mm. safe, which is often a past life contract, mm -hmm. especially people who were already healers or mystics or visionaries in a previous lifetime. And then there was a negative consequence 
to that. So then we write out the terms of the contract. Um, and then there's a process where the client has to go and once they feel ready, right? Because we want to make sure that all parts of the client are on board mm -hmm. with revoking the contract. We don't want to re-traumatize or have it be like a jarring experience um, because we have these contracts for a reason and they do provide some, even though it is counterproductive, it feels like they're protecting us from something. That's why we have them. Like or that they're keeping us safe in some way, even though it's so limiting. Um, so once we feel ready, then uh, I use a, a specific prayer that we speak to release the contracts from the DNA, from the body, the energy field, the family line. Um, and then the client has to go and burn the old contract. So we wow. do a fire ritual. Um, and then the important next step after that because once we clear out an old contract, we've created a vacuum or an empty space where it used to be. And we want to fill that in with something really intentional and mm -hmm. conscious. Um, so then I meet with a client again and we write a new intentional contract um, from the present moment and into the future of how they actually want to live or what they want to create from now on. Um, so let's say with something like, oh, I shut down my intuitive gifts to stay safe, the new contract where we counteract that might be something like, um, I vow to honor my intuitive gifts and open up my channels of receptivity as much as it feels comfortable and aligned in this lifetime, like for the service of the greater good or whatever it might be that really resonates with the client. So we do that together in collaboration, me, the client and the records, um, kind of really getting that um, most resonant language for what they want the contract, the new contract to be. So yeah, it's a whole process. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, it's powerful yeah. stuff, powerful yeah. stuff. I think it's so great that you shared that exact example because I'm sure a lot of listeners, yeah, if you're more spiritually awakened, you probably have a past life where you were shut down, the prosecutor kind of curse, right? So yes, um, exactly. so thankful that you shared that, that exact example. Yeah, that, and that's what I see a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and even, yeah, with clients who have just had an awakening or who have had their gifts kind of shut down for a long time and are just now figuring out oh maybe i am intuitive or what does it mean to be intuitive um and sometimes there's that past life trauma of having been extremely intuitive so all of that has been kind of suppressed um so we have to do the work of building that up and kind of bringing it back online mm -hmm. right. yeah um are people unconsciously accessing the akashic at times yeah can that happen it can happen well i would say i call it spontaneous okay so rather than unconscious although it's i mean in a sense it is the same thing um but i do have a lot of students who come into my akashic Records certification program um and they say you know the, the very beginning and they say i feel like i've been connecting to something I'm not quite sure what it is. Sometimes it looks like a library, which is the <laughs> stereotypical <laughs> image of the record. Uh, or it feels like Amazing. I'm looking at these books. Um, or I've been getting just these like 
downloads of information. It right. doesn't feel like I'm making it up. Um, could it be that I'm accessing the records? Um, and yeah, it is completely possible to have right. these spontaneous downloads or just spontaneous like aligning with the records. Um, and it, that can happen, especially as we are engaging in practices that uh, elevate our vibration and consciousness. So if we're meditating, if we're doing yoga, if we're doing breath work, even if you're just out in nature and you're really connecting to something, you know, deeper than yourself, you you might connect to the records because they're just waiting. They're so eager. They're just waiting for us to like not be so egoic for one second. <laughs> drop something in. Yeah. So that can absolutely happen. I'm curious to know. I love that. Yeah, as any rules or guidelines, um, if it can happen unconsciously, are there yeah. any rules or guidelines? Right. Yeah, that's great. Um, and this is my answer to that because, yeah, I mean, we could just go on this entire lifetime and just allow it to happen spontaneously. That's mm -hmm. one way of doing it, right? Um, and just allow ourselves to be open to whenever it wants to come in, if it wants to come in. Um, but typically the people that I'm working with want to kind of put some structure around mm. this process or make it intentional where they can access the records at their command um, whenever mm. they need to or if, they, if they're going to have clients. Because sometimes we need to do it like at a particular time and place and not just wait for it to happen. Um, so in, in, for that... That is why I teach my Akashic Records Level 1 training and the certification program where we go through all of the protocols um, and techniques of, okay, so what do you actually need to do to make this happen intentionally? How do you get into a receptive mode? How do you clear out that ego mind um, and ego interference patterns? So we do a lot of clearing all of that clearing past life trauma about seeing things or being a seer, um, which is a lot of like third eye trauma that can be there too. Um, but really the guidelines are, well, in order to access the records intentionally, first you can be emotionally in a chaotic place, right? So get centered, get grounded, and people have different methods and ways of doing that which is fine so it could be the breath work or you're out in nature um or just doing a grounding meditation uh, and then i do teach and use the method of accessing the records through a portal prayer so once we're ready and we're in that grounded state um then we speak the portal prayer and which by the way is you can access for free on my website um i have a freebie so people can get that um and have the prayer um, and once you speak the words of the prayer, because it's such intentional language, um, there's no other place you can go other than the records. So right. you just have to kind of surrender and trust. Okay, as I speak these words and I'm grounded and I'm emotionally centered and I'm open, I'm going into the records. Like, that's what's going to happen because people sometimes doubt themselves, right? That could I just say this prayer and numb the records? Yes. Um, so you do that and then the records are open and then it's really about trusting that every single time we journey into the records is going to be like a sacred experience 
and we are going to get exactly what we need in that moment, even if we're drawing a blank or feeling frustrated or not getting a lot um, or it's not what we expected or it feels really simple and obvious, like just the information that comes through, which people also can overthink that or question it or doubt it. Um, but we really do have to have this radical trust that every time we access the records, they're gonna give us exactly what we need in that moment and then kind of make sense of it later. So yeah, the trust and surrender are essential components and attitudes um, to working with the records. Did you have any of your own like blocks or resistances to trust and to surrender before you were? Oh yeah, <laughs> yes. Hold on, how many hours do you have? <laughs> you got all day, Josephine. <laughs> um, yeah, especially because you know, as I said earlier, I spent a lot of years um, living from the neck up. So just in my head and intellectualizing things. And I am a recovering overthinker, overanalyzer. Um, so yes, especially in the beginning, I would question and doubt a lot of what came through or judge it even, like put a value judgment on it. Like, oh, that's not deep enough or that's too simple. Uh, what do you mean my purpose is like to radiate love or something? That just seems too simple, you know, when the records say <laughs> something like that. Um, so I would question it. I would doubt it. And then once I started working with clients, then it becomes a different kind of doubt because now you're actually sitting in front of someone who is putting all of their trust and faith in you um, and in the process. So then I would also doubt, oh, this is too simple. Like, how do you fill up an entire one hour session with your purpose is to radiate love? <laughs> but then like, you have to figure out ways of um, expanding from that. And what does that mean? Or how can you actually do that in daily life? So there are ways to work around it. Um, but yeah, I had to get through a lot of the mental stuff. And for me, a lot of that, process has been oh how do I get back into my heart hmm. because with the records it's almost like you have to make the shift of looking out at the world through the lens of your heart you have to drop mm -hmm. down into your heart first and then look right. out from there to really be able to see what's coming through it's not a mental exercise um so I have had to do a lot of work to get back into the body and then get into the heart and that heart space. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. Cause I know probably a lot of us, even, I mean, I, even after doing the work for so many years, I am still learning to open my heart and be oh. in my heart more. Yes. Day, right. <laughs> yeah. It's like an ongoing practice. Yeah. It's a lifelong yeah. practice, lifelong practice yeah. for, sure. for sure. For sure. Lifetime probably too, JR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's true. Multiple. Yes. <laughs> Uh, can we access information from alternate timelines, past and future, using the Akashic Records? Yeah, we can do that too. Um, and uh, I want to talk about that in terms of, we, you know, just as we can look at past lives, we can also look at, for example, potential future outcomes 
Right. If a person stays on a certain trajectory or makes a certain choice versus this other choice. Um, so, it, and not to say that the records are a fortune telling tool because they're not. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, we're creating our lives and our realities as we go. So it's not like we can go into the records and ask, oh, um, when am I getting that promotion or when am I going to get married? It's not right. really about asking time specific questions because um, <laughs> the records would just say, I don't know, when do you want to make that happen? <laughs> right, free will is a thing. Free will is exactly. a thing. Exactly. That's it. It's a free will universe. Um, but we can't, let's say if a client or someone working with the records um, is faced with a choice between like alternative A and alternative B, mm -hmm. um, let's say maybe going back to school or something and they're looking at two different schools or two jobs mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. Um, so we can go into the records and say, okay, with alternative A, what is the potential future outcome? What's the energy of this choice? Um, and then we can kind of sit and first just see how it feels in your body to hold that choice as though you've already made it while you're in the records um, and then see what information and guidance comes through about it because they will show you an image or give you a word or some sensation about this choice. Um, and they might even show you an image of like five years down the line. What is the potential future outcome of this choice? Mm. And then the same thing for alternative B, um, which basically is like we're playing with looking at alternative timelines, right? If we make right. one choice versus another choice. Um, and at the same time, we can also access... I, this hasn't happened a lot recently, but I have had experiences with clients where we access um, almost like another version of themselves somewhere mm. in the universe or like right. another star system, if that makes That's sense, um, right. where they're doing something else, having another life or fulfilling a different purpose. And we can we can touch into that a little bit and see what that's about because really there are no limits to what we can see um, in the records. And I've also had experiences where we connect to a client's um, home planet, so right. for interplanetary souls, um, and then it can really help to clarify, especially for people who have those feelings of I don't really belong on Earth or like. Uh -huh. what the hell is earth really about i don't get it it's so <laughs> dense what like politics money i don't get it because um, <laughs> it's tough to understand right so yeah we can touch into the home planet and kind of see oh why did your soul choose to incarnate into a body on planet earth at this particular mm. moment in time uh, what are the gifts that you're bringing that you need to share with the world? Or how can you help to raise the consciousness of the planet? These kinds of questions. Wow. So it can help to accelerate karmic resolution. Oh, that's a perfect way of putting it. Yes, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, we can clear out um, karmic patterns, karmic relationships right. that we have. Um with people and souls from past lives and they're still in our lives today because they so often repeat themselves. 
Um, so yeah, clearing out karma for sure on all, all, all levels. Yeah. Curious question. Can plant medicines or psychedelics help with better access to the Akashic? Yeah, that's okay. That's a great and complicated question. <laughs> um, I think that they can, I think that they can. I think that they can provide help to almost like pull the curtain back. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that a lot of these medicines can accelerate that process of shifting consciousness or expanding it or getting the ego out of the way. Um, and then to facilitate almost like that access to right. the, not just the records, but higher dimensions or alternative dimensions of consciousness. Um, I, for myself, have, have chosen to be like a completely sober person. Um, so I don't drink. I don't do any of these medicines or drugs um, just because I want to be totally clear. And this is just my personal opinion and experience and not everyone agrees, but I feel at my most clear when I'm 100% sober, and that's when I can connect to the records. Um, and just right. because I'm working with clients, and I want to show up for them, um, right. you know, as present and clear as I can. So, but that's just my personal choice. But I do think that they have helped uh, a lot of people and facilitated like a faster right. or deeper access to these right. um, modalities or just these realms of consciousness. Yeah. Right. When used responsibly, right? Right, right. <laughs> in the proper <laughs> ceremony, yeah. in the proper like, ritual. Oh, completely. With the... Yes, right. yes. And totally reverence and honoring. Yes. Yeah. That there are like ancient traditions of, yes. of using these plants and medicines and that is uh, completely valid and has helped so many people. So, yeah. Can you access the Akashic of another planet? Oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> okay, that's fascinating. But I think that I'm going to go and try that. <laughs> I think that it's yeah, possible. Let me know. Let me yeah. know. Say like a, a, a planet not within our solar system, but exactly. another planet with life, thriving life. Yeah. Right. See, I never thought is that, of it. Is that accept, is that like frowned upon, or I don't know, like the oh. in terms of guidelines, I don't know. Can oh, I'm sure I don't we can. know. Well, um, and this is what I teach in my level one class: is that you know, just as we all have individual an individual record, akashic record, right. um, right. there are also collective records. So, for example, the records of a country um, mm -hmm. or of a company. Uh, and I sometimes say to people, oh, before you say yes to that job, like open the records of the company to see mm -hmm. what's the energy, like are the people wow. there supportive of your purpose? Right. Um, or sometimes I have clients and they're moving to a new house so you can open the records of a house using the address. Um, again, to see, does that, does the energy of the house match my energy? These kinds right. of things. So I would think, if a country has records and a city has records, planets do. Planets, planets have definitely records. do. Yeah. So I don't see why that would not be possible. Yeah. Wow. That's great. 
I loved that. Thanks for sharing all of those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are just different things we can yeah. do. You know, because right. sometimes people think, oh, it's just you sit and you open and you ask a question. But that's just the tip of the iceberg with mm -hmm. what we can do with the records. Uh, your website states that the record keepers often give sp specific spiritual homework. Uh, yes. Who are these record keepers? And can you give us an example of what spiritual homework is? They yeah, give, so, actually. Yeah. yeah, right. So the record keepers are the beings of light who work beings with us light. inside of the records. Um, and there's different categories to them. You know, traditionally, this is how it's taught. Um, so there's the lords, the masters, the teachers, and the loved ones. These are the four categories of record keepers. Although ultimately, really, it's just one energy. Um, but, you know, we're human, so we like to categorize and label things. Mm -hmm. So yep. we broke <laughs> into the hierarchy of the record keepers. <laughs> um, but so these are light beings. And except for the loved ones. So the loved ones are, you know, people that we once knew in this lifetime or a previous lifetime. And now because they've passed away and they've crossed over to non-physical form and now their souls are working inside of the records. Oh. So sometimes you can connect with a loved one who's crossed over um, right. if now they've been assigned to work inside of the records. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, but most of the record keepers have never had physical incarnations. So mm. they, yeah. Right. Because they're just to that level of ascension that they've never had like human experiences, uh, which right. sometimes makes them kind of impatient um, <laughs> or not like not fully understanding that human processes of healing sometimes take time and like the body <laughs> needs to catch up. So sometimes the record keepers want us to move faster than maybe we're able to a little bit. So we have to say, hold on. I'm still in a human body. Um, yeah, but that's just because they love us so much and they want us to heal yeah. and they know that instant healing is possible. So mm. um, so the record keepers, I think of them almost as like the best, most loving, most evolved parents you could ever have um, because mm. they love you unconditionally when you're in the field of the records um, and they see your full potential. So the record keepers don't really, they have a sense of humor, but they don't allow us to get away with any human BS or drama, um, which is why, for example, if we're trying to access the records to ask a question, like, let's say something like, um, oh, does this guy like me or does this girl like me or something like that? <laughs> Um, we're asking the same question over and over, trying to get a different answer. That's when the record keepers will close the doors, and you're right. not going to get anything. Um, right. So basically, we'll take you out until uh, we we'll reframe the question. Uh, so they help us by giving spiritual homework, which could be, for example, um, oh, for the next seven days, uh, seven days in a row. You have to go do this, let's say, solar plexus meditation mm. once per day for the next seven days if there's a solar plexus issue. Um, or it could be, oh, you need to go read this book about boundaries. 
right? And then they might drop in the title of the book or just say book about boundaries or something. Um, Or they might give spiritual homework. And typically it's like when I'm working with a client and the record keepers will just give me the specific like steps or what the exercise is. So let's say a heart opening exercise. Okay, you need to go do that for 15 days. Um, Or you need to go journal about some childhood experience that came up in the reading um, Mm. that is still unresolved. Um, Yeah, so those kinds of things as homework. Does that make sense? Which is really like action steps of, oh, what are you walking away with? And then what's the inner work Mm -hmm. that you need Mm -hmm. to do to fully resolve whatever came up? in the reading amazing amazing stuff yeah and that uh, i'll say one more thing about that which is um the important part of all of this is we do have to take ownership of our Mm -hmm. healing and not just think oh you know because some well i don't want to say some people but it is possible to use the records just like any other spiritual tool um for spiritual bypassing and or for escapism right Right. and to say oh i'm just gonna go into the records and because i was in the records for those 10 minutes now i'm healed i don't have to work on myself anymore or the records are gonna do it for me but that's not the case we Mm. still have to do our inner work to get to that level of healing and awareness that we're looking for Um, So the records will give us the homework, they'll give us the steps, they will lay it all out, but then it's really up to us to take responsibility and then follow through on the action steps. Um, And also to integrate everything we get from the records into like daily human life, because that's another way that we can escape. Like, oh, if I don't like my reality right now, or there's something in my reality I'm resisting or I'm not accepting it okay, so I'm just going to go hang out in the records where everything is like easy and I feel loved and I feel safe, which is great. But we still have to bring whatever insights or information we're getting from the records and then apply them in real ways in everyday life um, Mm -hmm. to integrate that, just really bring it down to earth. And as we like to tell our listeners, doing the inner work is part of your self-mastery. So yes. Keep oh, doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> as we were saying before, it's like a lifelong process and journey. Oh you God, know, it yeah. doesn't, sometimes people will ask me, when does it end? When do I know I'm healed? But <laughs> I say, well, if you're still in a human body, like made of flesh and bone and blood. There's still, still a lot more work to do. Work through. But that's why we're here. You know, it's a right. privilege that we get to do right. it. So. Right. Curious question in regards to negative time travel. Can yeah. the Akashic records of a planet solar system be wiped and rewritten? Ooh, yes. Okay. So I'm going to say not necessarily wiped um it's more like you can because nothing ever really gets erased you know Mm, that okay energy can never be destroyed it only changes um so for example when we go into a past life um or an alternative timeline um we're not 
we can work through things and we can heal that past or let's say a past trauma that happened. Mm-hmm. We're not necessarily wiping it out or erasing it because it's still like an essential part of what has made that person who they are today. So we don't yeah. even want to wipe it out, if that makes sense. Um, but it's almost like we can write something new over it, right? That right. overwritten. Like, yeah, exactly. So it superimposes or like replaces yeah. that print a little bit. Um so that we can transform the trauma or the past or the thing that we're looking at um, and then maybe put like rewrite the story, right? Is what I'm trying to say. So rewrite the story of it or put a different interpretation or meaning on it um, and then derive the healing benefits from that. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think we're ever really erasing anything. Um, but just more of this process of like writing over it. Yeah. It's like similar to inner child work. It completely. Yes. Like the mm. reparenting, right? And yeah. Right. Story. Yeah. Same yeah. thing, but it could be with a past life trauma where maybe you were like a healer and you were cast out from the tribe, let's say, because it wasn't acceptable or whatever it was. Um, so we can go in and rewrite that story and even we can meet with that past life version of ourselves and just as you would with an inner child and meet that past life version of ourselves that was wounded or hurt or upset or abandoned in some way or rejected, um, and then see, okay, what does that version of me need now to heal or to feel safe or to rewrite the story? Because on some level, we're still carrying those past life versions of ourselves, um, just as we're carrying that inner child or inner teenager from the current right. lifetime. So it helps to integrate all of that and then meet with those past selves again and see, okay, how do we update them to the present moment um, that we are safe now and that our life now is different than it was in that past life or that past experience so much wisdom josephine so much wisdom um i have one more question yes what's been your greatest joy since being able to read the akashic records wow (laughs) (sighs) well I mean, I could talk about the personal ones, but that's, I don't want to go that way because <laughs> there's a lot of them. You go any way um, you want. Oh, I mean, just in the, for example, the records helped me to work through and overcome my fear of commitment so that I was able to meet my soulmate, who is my husband, who edits my podcast. Hey. <laughs> um, and we've been together for eight years now. Um, but that's a personal one more so than that. I want to say, um, that the records have allowed me to fulfill my true purpose of being with other people as they awaken, um, Mm -hmm. and help in whatever way I can. Um, which is, I mean, I don't know that I could ask for a more rewarding life or more rewarding work to do every day because it's just so aligned with my soul um so it's yeah i just feel grateful 
to the records every day. And to my mom that when I was 17, she said, Hey, look yeah. at this book. <laughs> you, might like this. you might get something out of it. Um, yeah. So just being able to live my purpose every day, I mean, is there's no words to the joy that that brings. Inspiring, truly wow. inspiring. Very, very. We've reached the now what part of our episode. So Josephine, what are the final words, final thoughts, final radiating love things you need to share with the audience? Um, yeah, well, I do want to say um, maybe two things that I've been saying a lot lately. Um, one is just as I was speaking about myself and my own purpose, mm. that I do believe like with every cell in my body that we are all here to express and fulfill a unique purpose that is completely special and unique to each of us and that nobody else can fulfill it in the same way. Um, and, but also that nobody outside of yourself can tell you what that is. Mm. So you really do have to go and do the inner work of excavating what that purpose is, but I guarantee you there is something there. And for people who are doing work right now or at a job or at a situation or circumstance that's not feeling aligned um i just really don't want them to lose hope um and i want them so much to know that there is more for them here um and that if they just go back into their heart the space of the heart that's where the information is about what the true purpose really is that each of us has um, so to just start or continuing to do that work of getting there. And the second thing is, I really, really also want people to, how can I put it? Um, there are so many temptations in this world to give our power away, like on a daily basis, to give our power away to the media, um, to our boss, to our friend, um, to a spouse or partner to give our power away to the past when we are looking at the past and regretting it, right? Or mm. feeling ashamed about some mistake or something that we made in the past. Um, or we give our power to, yeah, other people, relationships, whatever it is. Um, and I just really, really, really want people to become as aware of the places and the people and the things where they're giving their power away to become aware of that as much as possible um, and to start taking that power back. Um, yeah, and I do see how there's like a paradigm shift happening with that now as more people are becoming conscious of those places where their energy is like leaking out or they're giving it away. Um, but we do need people to be like sitting firmly in who they really are at their most authentic level and feeling really empowered and in integrity with who they really are um, so that we can all collectively awaken to the highest degree and level possible. Um, so yeah, it does require each of us to do that work of taking our power back. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing, inspiring <laughs> words. Uh, oh, let's good. give it up for Josephine Hardman. Oh, <laughs> I'm so honored. Josephine, where can the listeners find you? Yeah. So uh, the best place is always my website, uh, which is 
josephinehartman.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, so that's at healer.josephine. And I have my podcast, as you were mentioning before, um, Inner Work, a spiritual growth podcast on most platforms. But also if people go to my website, they can find all of these things. I'll make sure to put all that info in the show notes. So, awesome. so much fun. Uh, yes, thank you so much for providing this space and for all of those um, thoughtful questions. Our pleasure, our pleasure. If you like this episode, please subscribe and feel free to leave a positive review. I'm your host, JR. And I'm your host, Helen. Join our Discord so that we can talk more about the Akashic Records and what we can do and access them. Yes, we'll see you guys next time.